Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Party Fish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all around the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2018 presented by Oculus from Seattle, Washington. My name is Kyle Sego. I am co-founder and managing director of Nifty. And today we are so excited to have Julia Elihu with us, the director of Yasemin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So this was your first time uh, screening at Nifty, correct? Yes, this was my first time. And I know you weren't able to be there in person, right? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. No, that, that's totally fine. It was an incredible screening. You screened uh, in Closing Night, Our New American Dreams um, uh, program, and it was just jam-packed with really powerful stories. But yours really stood out, I think, as such a poignant and uh, unique story that we haven't really seen before. So we're so excited to to dive into the history of that film. And maybe you could just give yeah. us a little context as to why you decided to make this uh, story come to life. Right. Um, so this is a story that's like always been very close to my heart because it's inspired by my mom's story when she moved from Iran to the States in the early 80s. Or I guess for her, it was actually the late 70s. Um, and it, this was a story that I've like kind of grown up hearing throughout my whole life. And, and it's one of like the, you know, the biggest changing moments in my mom's life was when she was about 11 years old. Um, she was in Los Angeles visiting her older brothers who were going to school in L.A. Um, and then they got a phone call from a relative in Iran saying that the revolution had broken out. Um, and that it was no longer safe to return, being that they were um, Jewish and it, it just became um, very anti-Semitic. So um, after that, my mom's life completely changed. She, she stayed in L.A. and hasn't ever been back to Iran since then. And I just remember hearing her stories about how when she first came, there were no other Iranian kids. Like she was the only one. Nobody even knew where that was. And then when the hostage crisis happened, it was like everybody knew where Iran was, but for all of the wrong reasons. So um, that's really what I wanted to like showcase and then just show the the Persian culture and, and all that. Yeah. You, you captured, you know, the, the Persian family dynamic so intimately and beautifully. Was that difficult to do in terms of uh, directing all of these actors and getting them to sort of uh, the, the, the camaraderie to exist between them? Yeah, it actually, it was, it was difficult and easy because in the family scenes where you see all the little cousins like doing the makeup and all the uncles and the aunts at the dinner table, those are mostly all my family members. So it was, it was nice to work with them because like, this story is inspired by them. So it's kind of them just being themselves, essentially. But it also almost made it more difficult to, uh, for me to work with people that I knew as actors rather than just working with um, actual actors because it just adds this extra layer of stress of, like, you know, trying to get them to do something a certain way and, like, you feel bad because they're giving you your time for a project. Um um, but overall, it was it was great to work with all of them, and I'm glad that I got to, you know, have like the people who actually represent that culture in my film. So hopefully, they didn't have to do too much actual acting. I'm sure they were they were honored to be 
in such a, uh, an amazing and powerful and powerful film. Your your lead actress, uh, who stole the show, by the way. Uh, how did you? Who is she? How did you find her? Um, so her name is Roxana Musavi. Um, the way that I actually went about finding the actors for this film, because I knew this was probably going to be one of the most challenging parts of it, was finding young girls who could speak Farsi fluently. So what I did was I just went on like acting websites, like backstage acting, and I searched up all the people that I thought looked like Persian, Middle Eastern, had a Middle Eastern sounding last name. And I messaged them and I said, hi, this is my story. Um, I'm trying to cast this role. You seem like you might be a good fit for the part. Would you be interested in auditioning? Um, and so she was one of those girls that I had reached out to. Um, and I, I just got really, really lucky with her um, that, that she was really passionate about acting and that this was a story that she related to a lot. And she actually kind of got bullied in school for similar reasons. Um, so it was a great experience. Like her whole family became involved and like all her, her little sister and her mom and her cousin. So it was kind of, she was kind of the perfect role for the film. That's, that's incredible. I know people often are, are taught, you know, you don't want to, the, the, the biggest challenges in, in working in directing a film are kids, fire, animals, water, but you, you took on the, the kids challenge head on, uh, what were some of the what were some of the difficulties in that, or was it easy? Um, it definitely wasn't easy. Um, I think it's kids are interesting because I think for kids you kind of have to cast them in roles that they relate to. Um, so I got lucky in this one that you know she really could relate to the story um but one of one of the biggest challenges that that stressed me out a lot in production was finding all of those child extras in like the pe scene and all that um but but we ended up doing it just like reaching out to so many different parents and like reaching out to middle schools and um i think the cool thing about it was that all the kids who were involved like had a lot of fun and we tried to make it somewhat like a summer camp type of ordeal. Um, so at the end of the day, it, it definitely was a challenge, but it was nice because I think the, the kids had a good time doing it. So it didn't feel like we were, you know, forcing them to do something. Yeah. That's, I mean, it came off so, so natural and, and you, I mean, those bus scenes and the the playground scenes are, I mean, just imagining the work that went into organizing that and and making it feel real. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Can you uh, just because you're you're kind of a nifty newcomer, you know, we don't know much about you. I'm I'm curious if you could give us a little bit of background on your like where you are in your filmmaking career and and how many films you've made. Right. Um, so as far as my filmmaking career goes. Um, I'm currently a junior in college at uh, Chapman University. Um, so the, actually the reason that I couldn't make it to Nifty was because I was filming my junior year thesis film the same weekend. Uh, so, so yeah, I actually started with film in high school. Um, I was lucky enough to have a film program at my high school. I, I'm from San Diego and I went to a school called Canyon Crest Academy. Um, oh, yeah. 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 So I was really lucky in that sense that 
you know, I've always been interested in the arts and I've always wanted known I wanted to do something creative, but um, I got that opportunity to be in a film conservatory they had there. And starting my junior year, I started making short films. Um, and actually one of the first short films I made was a documentary called Lily's Journey that's on my Vimeo account. Um, and it's the story of one of my mom's good friends and her escape from Iran in the revolution. So that's that's actually where I got my start um, in, in making films. And after that point, I knew that if I wanted to make this into a career, um, that I had to make these type of stories that like I thought were important and that I thought served a purpose and kind of like told a new story, a fresh perspective. Uh, so that's really like what I aim to do in film is tell stories that I think haven't been heard before and that I think are important. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Are, are you anticipating or do you hope to continue sort of centering your stories around Persian culture and, and uh, history or what, what, what sort of direction do you hope to go in? I think um, for me, definitely those, those stories are the closest to my heart because I've grown up hearing them, you know, from my mom and my dad. And uh, every day I, I actually like learn a new story from a relative or something like that, that I haven't heard before. And I find their stories so you know, so special. Um, I do like, I have recently ventured out. The film I recently shot is actually about uh, Latino immigrants and like their, um, a journey between a mother and daughter in like today's time. So I think for me, I, I'm attracted to kind of like cultural stories, first of all, not necessarily um, Persian, um, but I think probably um, those, those ones are the closest to my heart and that I hope, I really hope to tell more stories like that, that are connected to my personal culture. It sounds like there's kind of a through line of, uh, you know, stories about potential outsiders sort of like trying to fit in, in new environments or how, how people get accepted in, in different places or not accepted. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's definitely a big theme. And I think in a lot of the short films I've made is like, the idea of feeling like an outsider and, and trying to fit in, but then finding your, you know, speed or like your um, pace within, a, you know, a different group, like that's not part of the general public. So it's yeah. just like finding the, the simple beauties of your own life and your own culture and, and all that. Do you have filmmakers or films or even just artists in general that have inspired your work that have, have made you think more deeply about those sorts of themes? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of my favorite films of all time that I watched my sophomore year of high school in a history class actually was the Italian film Life is Beautiful. Um, and something that I thought was like amazing about that film was that it's, you know, a film about the Holocaust, which is never easy to to watch or like even make a story about. But they had a way of making it almost not so depressing and like showing you this child's perspective of this, you know, horrible thing that happened. And I think that's something that I've like really latched onto in a lot of my work is that I, I like to show like 
maybe difficult circumstances, but through a positive lens. Um, so um, that that's a film that's really inspired me um, from the start of when I started film is just to make something that is impactful, but can also like lift up an audience and, you know, that can be a positive experience. Um, and then I think some more recent films that I've like loved are Moonlight and um, The Florida Project. Both of those films I thought were so special in their own ways because at least for Moonlight, I loved the artistry of it, the way that they shot it and, and the lighting choices and its simplicity. Um, so I think that's something that I hope to input in my future projects is kind of like showing more than telling and really um, delving into um, just like the visuals and, and making you feel something without necessarily having to say too much. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see the Florida project in, in Yasemin yeah. in terms of style and, uh, and structure as well, you know, kind of this like easy flowing narrative that, uh, ties in different characters throughout the process. And, uh, I wonder if you can maybe speak to the, some of those choices you made stylistically, you know, yeah. visually in your film and, and where the, where the motivation was just in terms of how you shot the film and the pacing and of the editing. Totally. So yeah, we wanted it to have more of like that documentary style feel to really make it feel real to the audience. Since like, this is such a specific story, not everyone obviously can relate to a film about, you know, Persian culture. So that's why I wanted to film it in, in that way to make people feel that it is real to them as well. So we decided to shoot the whole thing handheld. Um, and then we, we decided to shoot it anamorphic as well, um, just because I thought that that would add like a beautiful stylistic aspect to it that would kind of capture the fact that it's a period piece as well. So it's, we feel that it's not like so based in, in today. Um, I think that aspect kind of like takes us back in time a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, going off like the style of it, um, since it is... I wanted to make it feel like the early 80s. We tried to incorporate like those type of um, colors, like lots of yellows and reds and made it very warm. Um, and let me think what else stylistically. Um, yeah, we, we really wanted to focus on just making like this soft, real film and capturing candid moments. Like for example, in the PE scene, we didn't plan out that whole like little sequence where you see all the kids playing. We just on the day of we're like, this is so cool. We have so many like kids here who are having so much fun. Let's run around and film all of them. And then we like hodgepodge that moment together that I think feels really genuine. And and then the same with the dinner scene um, with all the cousins playing games and stuff. We kind of just had them you know, I was like, okay, you're eating dinner, like hang out with your cousins, eat food, share pass plates around. And uh, we ran around with the camera and just shot little moments that we could find here and there. Um, so I think that's also one of my favorite things when making a project is like not everything needs to be planned and scripted. I think some of the best moments come out of the moments that you don't plan. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a, in a you know, when you're trying to get that authentic 
authentic feel. If, if I'm remembering correctly, there's not a whole lot of music in your in the film, right? Yeah. So the music was just the tar. It it didn't have any other like instruments or anything like that. Um, I actually was it was struggling a lot with what to do with the music because um, I had reached out to a friend who made music in a previous project. Um, and, and just nothing really fit the film, you know, cause it's this cultural piece. And then we tried to add more, you know, regular cinematic music to it and it didn't really fit too well. So my dad was like, Oh, my friend, Benny, he, he plays the tar. Do you want to go up and record him playing? And I was like, okay, yeah, that would be great. So I, I went up to LA and I recorded him just playing a bunch of different tunes on, on the tar and I picked, uh, I just kind of like went through it all and uh, tried to fit it in the film where I could. And when I heard it with that, I, I just thought it was perfect that it really like encapsulated the, the culture and the, the story really well. So that's something that I, I really love about it is that, is that music choice. Yeah, it was it, it was simple and subtle, and I think definitely on on a big screen in a theater that became clear that it was an intentional choice. You know, I think often young filmmakers think they have to just blast you know mm-hmm. music throughout a, a score throughout a piece when some of those subtle choices can have a lot bigger impact sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if you could give um, you know looking back. I know you're still young and and still growing as a filmmaker, but you're obviously accomplished and have have produced some really great work. And what what advice would you give younger Julia, you know, high school, high school or middle school age Julia about uh, what, you know, what to look forward to or, or what to how to approach this whole filmmaking game? Yeah, totally. Um, I think something that I used to do a lot when I was younger was like, I would have a story that I thought was important. For example, this one and the documentary I was telling you about. And I told myself like, oh, I know I want to tell this, but I want to wait till I'm older and I have more resources to do it. Um, And I realized that that's completely the wrong perspective to have. You shouldn't wait to go and make what you want to make. You should try to like make it happen with what you have. And so um, that's what happened with with the um, Yasemin actually was that I had written the script and I was planning to make it for, um, you know, the summer after my freshman year of college. Um, And I turned it in to one of my professors for a a class that I had. um, And he actually said to me, wait, don't make this film now. Wait till you, you know, till your senior thesis, make it then. Um, And then I told one of my uh, high school teachers, like, hey, what do you think? Do you think I should make this film? Um, And he's like, yeah, why not? Go for it. Just have all your family be in it. Like, you can definitely pull it off. Um, So I saw these two perspectives, one more cautious, saying, like, wait, wait till you have the resources. And then the other one just saying, why wait? There's There's no need to wait when you you know, why not just go for it and, and don't be afraid to fail. And so that's what I did. And, and it ended up working out, luckily. Um, but I think it was an important learning experience because, you know, if you never try, of course, you're never going to, you're never going to make it. If you keep waiting, you're never going to make it. But if you try, 
and then you fail, at least you can learn from that experience. And then maybe I could have made it for my senior thesis and, you know, tried again now that I learned something from it. Or, you know, I could try and, and be successful. So I think that's my biggest advice is, you know, always go in with the perspective of why not. You don't really need to always be so overly cautious. Like, just go out and, and do it. If you're passionate about a story, go out and film it. Go out and make it. That's great. Yeah, I think it's it's easy for a young filmmaker to you know, feel precious about every script they write or every film that they make and, and worry that they're going to not ever get a chance to tell that story again if they don't, right. you know, they don't do it right the first time. But uh, yeah, I think if, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's sort of seeing that as just building blocks towards the next story yeah. and knowing that like you're always going to have another chance to, to build off of what you're, what you're making. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, that's really amazing. So you mentioned this, um, this documentary, is that the next project that you're working on now? No, the documentary was um, one of the first films or the first short film that I made. Oh, okay. But the, the, one, the one about Lati the Latino uh, family? So that one is a narrative story that I recently made. Yeah, and it's about, um, it's about the relationship between a mother and a daughter and how the mother, you know, gets in trouble for this menial offense and how that kind of like threatens their relationship. Um, so what I wanted to do with that film was kind of do the same thing with this one is like, although it does have some sort of like, you know, political lining to it, what I really wanted to focus on was more so the culture and the people and their story, and then just kind of have the politics be like a, a red thread throughout the film to make it relevant to today. That's great. And is that film completed in, and out in the public or where is it at now? No, I'm currently editing it now, um, but it will be done hopefully by the end of December. So um, yeah, hopefully I'll be, I'll be submitting that one and um, you know, spreading it around too. Amazing. Can't wait to, can't wait to see it and, and see what you're working on next. Is there a way for uh, listeners to, to follow your work? Yeah, definitely. So I have a film Instagram where I post my, um, you know, what's going on with all my films. And I kind of post some of my um, film photography on there, too. It's called Julia Elihu Film, um, J-U-L-I-A-E-L-I-H-U, and then film. Um, and then I also have a Vimeo account that's my first and last name. Um, so yeah, that's where my Vimeo, Vimeo is where I post all my short films. And then, um, my Instagram is kind of where I post all the updates of what's going on with those films and, you know, all that good stuff. Awesome. Julia, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. And thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2018 presented by Oculus, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at NFFTYfilm. For more podcasts from Partyfish Media, follow us on social media at Partyfish Media. Fish me.